Moment of Truth with Pastor Matt Shackelford is a ministry of Central Church in Collierville, Tennessee. Please visit us online at centralchurch.com. What does it take for guilty man to be made right with holy God? The Bible tells us all have sinned. We've all broken God's law and we all stand guilty. And God says that the wages of our sin is death. And you can't earn salvation. You can't bribe God with good works. So what do we do? This is the truth. There's only one way to be made right with God and it's a free gift. And the moment that you repent, the moment you place your faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins, God will make you right with him. He will wash you, he will make you white as snow. So moment of truth today, what will you do with Jesus? Today on Moment of Truth, Pastor Matt continues a teaching series on Titus called Living the Good Life. While we typically associate living the good life with wealth and decadence, the entire book of Titus shows us what it means to truly live a good life. Today we look at chapter one and what it means to be a servant leader who leads others to Christ. By being a slave to God, a messenger of God, and a preacher of salvation, we can take a step to living the good life. Let's turn to Titus 1, verses 1 through 4, and listen in now for your moment of truth. In Titus 2.12, he says, you've been set free from sin, and you've become slaves He gave himself for us, here it is, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Notice the language here, a people for his own what? Possession. He redeemed us. That's buying, possessing language. That's slavery language. The idea here is that you and I have an owner. And if you're going to be used of God, a servant leader, you have to embrace this. It's a badge of honor. Just do this for me. Write this down on your notes. If you're taking notes, just write this this simple phrase. Just to remind yourself, I belong to God. I belong to God. Can we say that together as a group together? Ready? I belong to God. Can we say it again? Ready? I belong to God. It's that you and I, the truest thing about us is not the accolades that we have sort of gathered to ourselves throughout this life. It's not the initials after our name. It's not the prefix before our name. It's not the money in our bank account. No, friends, the truest thing about you is whose you are. It's who you belong to. And you have to come away with this mentality if you're going to be used as God in your home as you disciple your children, you belong to God. At your work, as you interact with people in our city, you belong to God. 
in your city, the thing you give your time to, your passion to, you belong to God. And beloved, we can embrace that. This term's not an ugly term because we have such a good master. Amen? We have a good master. This isn't an ugly term. It really takes away all stigma if you have a good master. I love the, the story that comes from about the northerner during the pre-Civil War time in American history. He sneaks down to the south to a slave market. And as he walks into this slave market, he sees a young girl, and he has purpose for himself to buy her. And he buys her. He purchases her. And he takes her back north. And as they're walking along the, nord, the, the northern road, and he gets out of that city, he stops, and he has the contract. And he says, young lady, I'm setting you free. And she says, I'm free? And she says, he says, you're free. I can do what I want. You can do what you want. I can go where I want to go. You can go where you want to go. And then she says, can I come with you? She knew that this was a good man, a man who had purchased her out of bondage. That's what it is for the Christian. God sent his son to purchase us out of bondage. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. He's been so good to me. Dear friends, that's the heart that a servant leader has to take on. Number two, and we've got to hurry it along. I've got to get out of verse one. You need to listen just a little bit faster this morning, all right? Listen just a little bit faster. Number two, Servant leaders are messengers of God. They're, they're first slaves of God. Second, they're messengers of God. And that's what we see in verses 1 and 2. That's the next word on his resume. A servant of God or a slave of God, but also an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect. Now, this word apostle here, circle it, highlight it, underline it. This is a very powerful word. Uh, this is a very helpful word. It, it simply means this. It, it means that, that these, these servant slaves are the sent out ones. That's what, literally what the word means, the sent out one. Now, I, I, I don't believe that there are capital A apostles today uh, that have seen the risen Christ, been commissioned by the risen Christ. Certainly, we know that the 12 apostles, uh, the 12 disciples were apostles. We know that Paul had been commissioned and sent out by the risen Christ. However, if we take on the, the lowercase a uh, understanding of this, that all of us are sort of sent out vessels, I think we can see some application for all of us. In a very real sense, all of us have been sent out. In a very real sense, all of us have gone out in this apostolic ministry. We are sent out ones, and we, we, what you ought to think of, in fact, just write this down to the side. Whenever you see that word apostle, you ought to think of the word authority. These are a people who are sent out under authority. Write down that word, authority. It's that you and I have gone out under the authority, not of ourselves, but under the authority of Jesus Christ. We are His messengers. That's it. We're His messengers. F.B. Meyer said it so well. He said, I'm just God's errand boy. I like that. I'm just God's errand boy. I think we said it back in 2 Timothy. You don't make the pizza. You just deliver the pizza, Right? You don't, you don't sort of innovate the message. You just deliver God's message. That takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? 
practically that means that you and I can go forward speaking God's message with boldness. We're just the deliverer. And it points us to our purpose, a messaging purpose. Some of you are spinning your wheels trying to make money or trying to, to develop a career, but only one thing in life will last, and only what's done for Christ is that thing. What's the old saying? Only one, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last, I think, something like that. We have a life, and that life is meant for the purpose. We need to understand our purpose. It's that of a messenger. What does that look like? Notice that little word for. Circle that little word for right here in the text. For. And throughout the next sentence, we see what this messaging purpose looks like. For. First, we see evangelism. For the sake of the faith, I should say, of God's elect. That's evangelism. That's evangelism. Now, I know some of you feel a little heartburn when you see this word right here, elect, and I, I get that. Some of you, I mean, we, you have to get used to it, though. We see it all over Scripture, don't we? It's, it's in every book. It's just one of these terms that just keeps coming back, this concept of, of God's elect. And so you've got to own that word and sort of deal with it. But he says here, and I think this is what he's pointing us to, is that while we cannot fully see all the mysteries of salvation like God does who is outside of time. I mean, just be in awe of God just for a moment. You ready? Our God is outside of time. He is outside of time. Time is a construct He has created. We can't see the mysteries of God. Like, like He doesn't put an E on people's head who you're supposed to share the gospel with, right? He doesn't do that. We cannot see what God is doing as far as salvation. We only get to see the results in real time. So this is a word of hope. It's all about evangelism. It's that you and I are God's gospel messengers, and this is hope that God's people are out there. It may look dead. It may look impossible. But as God's messenger, you and I are simply to preach and not worry about who is being called at that moment, we see the results as they happen. Tim Chester illustrates it so well. He says this. He says, in my shed, I have a tray of seeds. And this year, I, I noticed that a number of packets were past the use-by date. I didn't know there was such a thing as a use-by date on seeds. So I stood there in my shed, and I sat about them with those seeds in my hand, and they all looked dead to me. And I thought to myself, perhaps some of them will have the potential for life and grow. So I took a tray, and I put dirt in it, and I planted each seed, and I watered them. Some grew. Some did not. And he said, that's the point. You and I can't see these eternal realities. But what made it worthwhile? Some grew. That's how we're to treat our message, beloved, as God's messengers. We are to just preach the gospel of whosoever will come and leave the results to God. You and I ought to be ready for that moment. Write down 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is one of the verses that's been so helpful in my life. It says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is within you, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is so powerful. What it's saying is you need to be ready for that moment where you have someone in front of you that you can plant a seed, that you can water, that you can present the gospel to, and you need to be ready for that. You need to be ready for that moment. 
friend of mine challenged me for that moment. He said, Matt, get your five-minute presentation of the gospel down. Get your two-minute presentation, your one-minute presentation, your 30-second gospel presentation ready. And we need to have that, don't we? Because we don't know what God is doing at any given moment. Uh, last week, I was told that someone received Jesus Christ in the service. That's, by the way, that's why we present the gospel every week. Amen? We don't know who's going to be here. We don't know what God's doing. Last week, I was told someone received the gospel of grace uh, by repentance and faith, and, and that's why we present it every week. And that's why you ought to present it and be God's messenger wherever you go. Always being prepared. If you don't know the gospel, let me just give you my 30-second gospel presentation. You ready? We got a big problem. What's our big problem? Sin. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That means that, that without a Savior, we are destined for hell. That's God's punishment. That's where people without a Savior go. But God so loved the world, He sent His Son, a great Savior. So we got the great sin, we have a great Savior. You have a great Savior if you'd believe on Him. Jesus Christ was sent to live a perfect life, die on a cross, be resurrected from the dead, so that whosoever would believe in His name might not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So what's required? It's a great response. A great response is required from every human being that has ever lived. It is to repent of your sin and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do that, God will save you right where you are today. God will save you. But that is the message of salvation. And we need to be ready to give it. Second, we're messengers of education. We're messengers of evangelism, but also messengers of education. It says here that Paul is a servant. He's a messenger. He's an apostle, a sent out one for the sake of of the faith of God's elect, that's evangelism, and now also for education, the knowledge of the truth. The word here for knowledge is gnosis with a prefix on it, epinosis. Epinosis, it, it sort of heightens it, the full knowledge. Why is full knowledge of the truth so important? Why is it that when you and I go out into this world, we need to constantly be giving God's knowledge, the knowledge of God to other people, because there's no hope of a, a godly life without a knowledge of truth. People can only live out godliness, God's perspective on life, if they have a knowledge of the truth. See, that's the problem today. There's so much biblical illiteracy, and God wants you to be His messengers to go out and to give truth. But we live in a, a world of biblical illiteracy. Warren Wiersbe said it so well. He said, the fastest growing church in America is the church of the ignorant brethren. That's true. Unfortunately, we're seeing this in our age, in our time, aren't we? We're seeing that people are being more experience-oriented, that they want the show, that they're being less truth-oriented, and it's all focused on the experience, and, and the knowledge of truth is miss, missing. Therefore, sin abounds, and therefore we fail in our mission. But what God wants for you and me is to be His messenger that goes out into this world giving away the knowledge of the truth. We're evangelists, we're messengers of education, and then lastly, we're encouragers. This one's my favorite one. Uh, it says in verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages begin. Uh, this, is, this is a wonderful thought of encouragement. God wants you to be an encouragement to the saints. Wherever you go, you are to give a vision of hope to people. 
You are to tell them that this life is not all that matters. And we have this phobia. We don't like to face death square in the eyes, do we? We don't like to think about the next life and what is still yet to come. We don't desire that. But we, as God's messengers, are constantly to be returning to this message that this life, beloved, this life is not all there is. There is so much more. And we're to be living for the next life, not just these 60, 70, 80, 90 years. We are to live for the next life and lay hold of God's promises in the next life still to come. I think soon I want to preach a sermon series on heaven. I think that would be fun, don't you? Just to hear about the hope of heaven and what is to come. And I think that's what we ought to do. We're called to stir each other up in the hope of eternal life, which has been promised before the ages began. This is the hope that we as God's messengers are to constantly be giving away. You know that phrase, he's, uh, there's that phrase that's used all the time, that person's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Have you heard that before? I actually think the opposite is true, that you can't be any earthly good unless you're heavenly minded. It's that you and I ought to constantly be giving the hope of salvation to people. That's who we are. Servant leaders are slaves. Servant leaders are God's messengers of evangelism, education, encouragement. And lastly, servant leaders are preachers of salvation. Preachers of salvation. If there's one thing we do, if there's one thing that God, God gave Paul to do as a leader, it was to preach the gospel. It was to preach salvation to the people he was around. If you want to be a servant leader, you're going to have to become a preacher. In your context, whatever God has for you. Look at verse 3. It says, and at the proper time, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. This word manifested appears several times in the book of Titus. Manifested or appearing. In fact, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And then in Titus chapter 3, verse 4, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. There's an appearing of salvation, and the response to an appearing is that you and I open our mouth and we speak. It's that you and I are conduits. We are preachers of this salvation. And the church, this word for preach, it's, it's the word caruso. It's the, the word for announcer. You and I just proclaim the message. It's not that we get results. The results are in God's hand. We're just to be God's messenger boys. Why is there so little revival in the church in our time? I'm going to give you an answer. The reason there's so little revival in the church in our day is because there's so little preaching in our churches across America today. I mean, seriously, you track church history, the rise and fall of the pulpit is the rise and fall of revival. Walter Kaiser said it so well. He said, it's no secret, he said, it's no secret that Christ's church is not at all in good health in many places of the world. She has been languishing because she has been fed, as the current line has it, junk food. 
All kinds of artificial preservatives and sorts of natural substitutes have been served up to her. As a result, theological and biblical malnutrition has affected the very generation that has taken such giant steps to make sure its physical health is good. What he's saying is you care more about physical health and what you put into your body than the love of preaching. And that as believers, you and I ought to hunger for good preaching and to even become preachers ourselves wherever God sends us. Think about the power of preaching. The rise and the fall of the church throughout church history is connected to the power of the pulpit. Where the church returns in church history to preaching, the church is built up, the church grows, the church flourishes, but where there's no burden for preaching in the church, there's no blessing from God for the church. Let me say that line again. Where there is no burden for preaching in the church, there is no blessing from God for the church. We've got to be a preaching people. That's part of our vision, that whatever we do, we preach. Jonah preached four words to the people of Nineveh, and Matthew 12, 41 says that the men of Nineveh repented. There's power in preaching. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul says, my speech, my message it wasn't plausible words of wisdom, but, but it was a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He says, it wasn't my delivery. It wasn't my speech. It wasn't my powerful words. I didn't have any. I probably sounded like a, a bumbling fool, but I preached, and the power of God showed up, and people got saved. That's what you and I are to be. So, beloved, be, be encouraged by this. It's not your power. It's not your ability that will result in people coming to Christ. It's the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit taking our weak words and just our faithfulness to preach. And when you and I are servant leaders, God's slaves, God's messengers, God's preachers, we're going to leave a bread trail crumb back to Christ. There's a story that comes out of Years ago, about an American senator, and he was at a men's breakfast in a church. And there was an emotional moment in the, the meeting. The men gathered around, and they said, Senator, we want prayer back in our schools. We want the Bible back in our schools. And, and all the men rallied, and there's about 450 guys there, and they, they rallied behind that. And the senator gathered them up all across the room, and he said, how many of you want prayer? How many of you want the Bible back in your school system? Raise your hands. All the hands went up all across the room. Then he said, how many of you are reading your Bibles and praying with your children in your home? The hands that were not raised all across the room was an embarrassment. And then he gave the line, American senator, this is what he said, why is it that people demand from the government and from the school system what you're not willing to lead out in, in your home? That's powerful. How do we show the good life that leads people back to Jesus Christ? Beloved, it is going to take servant leaders, and I want to say this to you right now, it starts with you. 
We trust that today's message has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. Jesus tells us that truth always demands a response. So he calls us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. So this is your moment of truth. How is God calling you to respond? If you would like to watch or listen to this message, please visit online at centralchurch.com. We'd also like to meet you in person. Worship with us at 9 or 11 a.m. every Sunday at Central Church. If you're unable to attend in person, we also have services streaming live where you can engage and chat with other believers throughout the service. Visit centralchurch.com live to find out more. If you would like to donate to support this program and God's word being sent out, please mail a gift or you can call us at 866-TRUTH-TN and someone will be standing by to receive your credit card donation. We are located at 2005 Winchester Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee. We can't wait to explore God's truths with you next week. Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church. Hi, Pastor Matt here from Moment of Truth. This year we're having an online service where you can interact and get to know some of the people of God, even amidst the things that are happening in this world with the coronavirus. And I wanna invite you to join me every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. centralchurch.com slash live. That's our live stream, we hope to see you there. Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church.